0: Hey, and welcome to the Bastup Podcast. Today's episode, episode two fifty four, is for job seekers who are looking to leverage LinkedIn and for the recently graduated. I'm shouting out to you, little sis Isabel, because y'all class of twenty twenty graduates, I, I, I feel for you. And today's episode, we're going to share some tips for how to leverage your network and land a job, even in the worst economies like this one. (laughs) Um, Before we jump in, if you are a job seeker looking for even more support, be sure to download our free comprehensive ultimate job search guide for the modern woman, which is available for free at bossedup.org slash job search. It's over 60 pages long. It walks you through tons of different examples. It links to all kinds of other articles, resources, and podcasts that you'll want to check out. And it's really the first place to go if you're a job seeker Uh, in need of support. And while you're there, you can learn more about the one-on-one job search coaching I offer, as well as Hired, our job search accelerator program, which is actually booked up through September at this point, but we are working quickly to expand our bandwidth and serve even more job seekers. Speaking of the job search, this episode, this interview really with Justin is super helpful and full of practical tips For job seekers who aren't quite sure how to navigate the whole networking piece of it, especially in a virtual networking environment that we all find ourselves in now. I'm so excited to introduce you to Justin Wynn. He's the founder of Get Choke Grind Up, a movement to help students navigate their way through college. He's also the host of the iTunes Top 100 podcast, Declassified College, where he unlocks the cheat codes to thriving in college in bite-sized episodes. Justin has grown his podcast through his LinkedIn content, where he has over 7,500 followers and receives over 250,000 views each month. Justin Nguyen, welcome to the Boss Up Podcast. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how the Get Show Grind Up movement started.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. So the Get Your Grind Up movement, it started off as a joke back in like 2015, I want to say. And it sort of blossomed into this reality, this movement to really empower students. And our first podcast was a Get Your Grind Up one. And the whole basis behind that was we wanted to showcase the non-traditional path to success. So entrepreneurs, esports gamers, people like that. And then as we started to grow that, what we realized was students didn't necessarily want to listen to a 45 minute, 60 minute interview. They were actually dropping off after like the 10th or 15th minute. So what we sat back and looked at it was we were like okay how can we impact students the most in a short amount of time so that's when the podcast our new one declassified college came about and it's all about quick short tips on how to succeed as a student we like to call them cheat codes and every episode is five to 15 minutes long and ever since launching that back out in february it's been amazing um to see the growth of that
0: i love it i mean it's interesting for the context of our listeners You know, even if you're not a recent graduate, I feel like so many of us can learn from the collegiate experience these days, and from the class of 2020, for whom my heart goes out to. Right, as someone who graduated in the height of a great recession, um, you know how how do you feel towards the class of 2020 in terms of being a recent grad yourself? Like, what advice do you have for those job seekers who are navigating this pandemic job market?
1: Yeah, so I graduated in 2018 and this was obviously pre-pandemic. Um right. but even that what people don't realize was the on average, I believe it's only about 25% of students get a job using their degree when they graduate. So that number Mm -hmm. was already low. Uh, And then now with pandemic numbers, I'm assuming it's gonna be a lot lower, but this actually presents a really unique opportunity for a lot of the students that are graduating. And even if you're not in college or about to graduate college, this really opens up an opportunity for you to start something on the side. And right. I create a lot of content on LinkedIn. So what I found was when I was talking to all these recruiters and and hiring managers is, yes, your degree matters. But what really matters is, do you have the skills to pay the bills, essentially? And that's where projects really come into play. And people don't realize that, especially coming from, from college, because we do a lot of work in school, but we're not necessarily taught how can we leverage those Um, school projects, those group projects, all those things that we do in class, how can we leverage that in our resume or the hiring process to answer all those questions during the job? And when you're able to do that during your spare time, it can open so many doors for you.
0: Yeah. Skills to pay the bills. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And project-based work and thinking of yourself as a consultant, as a contractor, to me has served as a very good Sort of bridge job over the years and finding a way to add value to the very tumultuous marketplace we're in right now as a contractor, right? As someone with project based skills to share with the world is a really clever way of reframing it from, oh my God, I'm unemployed. Please, please, please give me a full time job. Give me those benefits. Give me those, you know, that security to now it's like, Prove yourself useful and be helpful to other people and find a way <laughs> to get some skills out there that are that are going to help you pay the bills. Do you find that's a hard shift for folks to make in terms of thinking about project based work?
1: I think the project based work is it's difficult because we're not we don't know to do it. You know, I feel like especially when you're in college or even in the working world, right, you're sort of told the whole time you need to find a full time job, you need to find a full time job. And I think especially when you're young, it's not necessarily the case. Because if your parents have like life insurance or health insurance or anything like that, you can use that right. up until like you're like 25, I believe it is. So you still have you don't necessarily need all the benefits that you would necessarily be getting um, in a full time role. And i I think the mindset shift needs to start becoming a little bit more project-based, especially at the beginning of your career, because it allows you to test more things. I mean, if you're looking at a college degree, you only really specialize in your last two years for the most part, and you don't really get to test that many things out. And that's one of the biggest problems that I see with college students is when when they graduate and I talk to them. I'm like, Hey, like, what do you want to do in marketing? Let's say, I'm like, Oh, I I want a job in marketing. But there's so many different facets that they haven't even understood, like while they're in school of SEO marketing, social media marketing, um, traditional marketing, all these different sort of things that you need to go out there and get a project based thing first to test out and see if this is something that's right for you.
0: Such an interesting way to approach it. You know, I graduated back in 2009 before Obamacare made it possible to stay on your parents' health insurance until you were 26, I think is the age now. And ironically, my first job out of college, my first full time job out of college was helping to pass Obamacare as an organizer. <laughs> and then a few short years later, when I stepped away from full-time work, which is a very scary feeling to leave behind the stability of benefits. I was able to do so without risking my, you know, personal livelihood because of Obamacare. I got back on my parents' health insurance at twenty, I think it was twenty five and started bossed up when I was twenty six. And so it's just a reminder of like there are certainly benefits to getting a full-time job. But the risk that you point out that so few people talk about is it hampers your ability for exploration and experimentation. Um, And if there's nothing else that I think we must do in our 20s or in our our early part of our career, it is experiment, right? Right. 100%.
1: 100%. And I, that's, I had this conversation with, uh, with a good friend of mine who works for the University Innovation Alliance. So basically their job is to find different ways to innovate the world of education. And he was saying that in the, what is ending up happening with college students is that when they graduate, the reason that the millennials and Gen Zs are jumping around so much early on in their career is because they haven't had the time to intern while they're in school because they're actually like trying to work a full-time job to pay the bills or to pay off their student loans as much as possible before they graduate. Mm -hmm. So they don't get to test while they're in school. So that first few jobs that you're getting outside of college are actually your internships. So I think that's what's actually happening a lot. And that's sort of the mindset that I think a lot of college students need to understand going into their first job is you're probably not going to be in this position for the rest of your life Right. What can you learn from this? And then what can you take from that for the future?
0: I love it. It's, a, it's interesting to hear your take on why they haven't, as students, had the chance to experiment beforehand. Because I think that's changed a lot over the years. Um, and it is interesting to think about how there are so many public sector implications that make it easier or more difficult for students nowadays to actually get those real-world experiences. And the private sector is also coming to the, you know, adapting as a result. I think you talked about getting a job offer from a big four accounting firm upon graduation. And a lot of those big Fortune 100 companies have rotation programs Mm -hmm. for their new hires, for their new recent graduate hires to really test out the waters in different elements of marketing, different elements of accounting before choosing after a year or two where they'd like to, to focus in too. Um, because I think you're right that that need to explore is just so fundamental to starting off in your career. And some of my listeners who are in their 30s, 40s and not recent graduates might be <laughs> also identifying with that because, you know, they call it a quarter life and a midlife crisis for a reason. There There's plenty of opportunities to explore once again later in life. Um, so, Justin, it's an interesting time to be thinking about innovation and graduation And one of the biggest, I think, transitions from student to career or college to career is learning how to leverage your network to land job opportunities. I've heard you say that LinkedIn is the most underrated social media site of them all. Tell us why you feel that way.
1: Yeah, so I think LinkedIn is the ultimate equalizer. Uh, so just a little bit more background on myself. Both of my parents are Vietnamese refugees. So they came over right after the Vietnam War. And my mom did go to college and she has a computer science degree, but she doesn't; she's not necessarily a networker, so to say. She got mm-hmm. her job based off of her merit and the work that she was able to produce. And back in the day, you had a better chance to do that because uh, the college right. degree wasn't as saturated. So I went to school and I was like, Hey, I'm getting really good grades. I tried to apply to internships. I think I applied to over 50 or so, and I didn't even get a callback. And that was with a near 4.0 GPA and joining all the student clubs and doing everything that you're sort of supposed to do. And what ended up happening is by the time I graduated, I had five internships, um, three at Fortune 150 companies. And then I also got the job offer, like you said, from a big four accounting firm. And I got, I think, four out of five internships from networking, and then that one job offer came from networking as well. And LinkedIn plays such a role in that because I didn't have a network before getting on LinkedIn because my parents didn't necessarily provide that for me. Right. I had to go out there and get that. And that's where LinkedIn is perfect because the only people that are really on that platform are professionals. And it's it's so easy to reach out to people, especially as a student.
0: Right. Tell us more about how you you do that because I, I can't underscore this enough that we cannot expect to inherit a network. Only a very privileged few are in such a position. And even if your parents are quote unquote successful in their careers, that doesn't mean you want to be in the same industry. So even <laughs> if you do inherit a network, it might not be the right one for you. So taking ownership and responsibility of your own come up in terms of being proactive and leveraging LinkedIn is a really important message that I just want to underscore that you're sharing, Justin. How do you even begin making the most of LinkedIn? Because I know a lot of people who think it's a clunky, challenging nerve-wracking, spammy website, and they don't want to be part of the spam.
1: Yeah. I mean, it definitely has that stereotype. And I think LinkedIn has started to try to overcome that ever since Microsoft bought them, I think in like 2016 or something like that. So what has sort of happened since then is they're starting to uh, starting to try to become more of a social media rather than a mm. glorified job board. They want people to create content on there. And what the key... Concept that I want people to understand is your LinkedIn profile isn't your resume. It's actually a mm-hmm. landing page for you. And when people realize that, it sort of starts to open up the doors because if you think about it from a recruiter standpoint, right? Let's usually you will put your LinkedIn uh, like profile link on your your resume. So there's usually we'll see your LinkedIn profile after your resume. So if your whole pr- LinkedIn profile is optimized to be another resume, you're just regurgitating the same information that's already on your resume. And the recruiter is going to be like, what was the point of me clicking on this? But if you optimize as a landing page with some sort of key facts or things that you couldn't have put on your resume, especially in that about section and the featured section, you can really stand out from the rest because you're not just telling them your resume and what you are, you're telling them your story and you're selling them on why you deserve that job. And that's the ultimate change that that I love to see in the students that I talk to.
0: Yeah. And it's such a dynamic platform, so much more so than a, a piece of paper or resume can ever suffice. You know what I mean? So having multimedia content when applicable, or really just having more space and more stylistic choices with which to tell your story I think is so key. I'm curious to hear what you mean by optimize your landing page. Like how is – how do you think about optimizing your profile page on LinkedIn kind of like optimizing a landing page for those who are not entrepreneurs and have no <laughs> idea what that means?
1: Yeah, no, of course. So let, let's go with the visuals first, right? Your, your background photo, and then your profile picture. What most people will do is they'll take their traditional profile picture headshot, if that's them, in a, usually them in a suit and tie, and they'll put that as their profile picture. And that is great if you're trying to get into a very Uh, conservative industry, let's Mm -hmm. say like investment banking or uh, consulting. But if you're going into a a more relaxed industry, let's say into tech or into marketing, you have a little bit more room to play where you don't necessarily need a suit and tie, maybe a button up suffices, or you can really play around with things to really showcase your personal brand. And that's important for your profile picture. For your Mm -hmm. background photo, most people don't even have this and i think it really that that having one alone will differentiate yourself and then having one that shows what you can actually do is very important so for instance for mine because i want mine to optimize for like being an entrepreneur and speaking what i have is a picture of me speaking and then three words of entrepreneur podcaster and speaker mm-hmm. so when you land on my profile you know those are the three things that i want you to know about me Now, what does that look like as someone who's looking for a job? Let's say you're going into marketing that could be like SEO specialist, email marketer and social media expert, right? For those three words, having those three things, when someone just sees it, they can automatically trigger that in the back of their head of, oh, I'm looking for a social media marketer. Justin is the right person for that. So that's why your background photo can be used very strategically there.
0: I love it. Yeah. A lot of my job search clients in our hired job search accelerator program have been condensing their story, not only down to like a two minute blurb or a paragraph objective statement, but taking it a step further into that tagline that you're describing. Like, what are three words you want people to know about you? Because so many job seekers that I work with, feel like they're straddling a few different worlds. They're like, well, I could I could see myself going into PR or I could see myself really honing in on digital strategy or social media. And I'm like, put them all, you know, PR, digital strategies, social media. Boom, there's your tagline. You know, you don't have to be one thing. Um, but you do have to be clear about what things you are about and what you want people to know about you. I think that's a really great example how about when it comes to reaching out to other people on LinkedIn? Because I have, I, I kind of think of LinkedIn like fishing a little bit. <laughs> you know, you could start to like try to go for one fish every now and then and send one message to one person who you think is awesome. But you can also just cast a net and post a post that gets a conversation started And hopefully lures in the kinds of fish that you want to have conversations with or that you want to catch. (laughs) So I'm curious, like, what's your approach when it comes to posting on LinkedIn or messaging directly on LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, I I love that you brought this up because no one usually talks about the side. Everyone loves to talk about the optimized LinkedIn profile. Right. But like it's like if no one sees it, then it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Matter, exactly. So let, let's start with the first of like, how can you go out and reach out to people? So if you did graduate or you go to school, like if you graduate from a university or you're currently attending a college, use the alumni tool. And what I mean by that is you can search up your university. So for instance, for me, it's the University of Central Florida. And then on the left hand side, I believe like three or four tabs down, mm-hmm. you'll, see a, you'll see a section called alumni. So all you have to do is click on that and then a little search bar will pop up on like the right hand side and you just have to type in what you're looking for. So if you're looking for an SEO marketer or if you're looking for a digital marketer, you put that in there and then it'll populate everyone from your university that has that in their job title.
0: Whoa, that is awesome. Yes,
1: So now you have your instant connection of, for me, it's like we're we're both knights. So all I will do is go to their profile, click the connect button, and make sure to add a personalized invite. So if you're on mobile, you have to click the three buttons and click like add personalized invite. Um, But on like regular desktop, you usually can just click connect. And the reason that you want to do that is for anyone who's active on LinkedIn, they're probably getting anywhere between 10 to 50 plus connection requests every single day. And most of them aren't personalized. So by adding that little touch, you stand out from the rest and increase your chance of getting seen and ultimately getting a connection back. So what can you put in that personalized invite? You just say, when I was a student, I would say, Hey, my name is Justin Wynn. I'm a rising junior at UCF um, as a finance major. I saw that you are that you're working as a digital marketer at Walt Disney World, um, and you're also a fellow knight. I would love to connect and learn more about how you got your your role. Um, So that would just kind of open up the conversation, and when they connect back, that's when you ask one specific question. Yeah. So that because what what most people do is like, hey, hey Emily, like tell me a little bit about yourself, and it's like. That's such a broad question. And you've right. probably rehearsed that question a million times on all the different podcasts and interviews that you've gone through. So you're not really breaking any barriers there. But let's say you had a finance background and you're now in marketing, right? And I said, Hey, Emily, like I really, really love that, or I saw that you when you were at UCF, you were a finance major. And then when you graduated, you transitioned into marketing. I'm going down the same path. Can you talk to me a little bit about why you made that transition? So a question like that brings you back to a time. So you can give me a very specific answer, but it also makes you remember me because I've asked you something that you probably haven't been asked before. And that's what's important because with networking, it's not about who you know. It's about who remembers you. And that's something that people don't really talk about.
0: Yes, I think that's a really great point. I also want to highlight here that why questions, like why did you choose to make that transition, are always great conversation starters because people are intrinsically called to then reflect on their motivation and communicate what personally spurred that change in their life um, as opposed to tell me about yourself so open-ended and vague and kind of a command if you actually break down the syntax of that. That I look at that question in a message and I'm like, nope, I don't have the energy to write this paragraph. You know, so there's there's something about why questions, like why did you choose to make that change, or why did you end up here, or why did you study this, that really gets people talking and is such a great best practice. Um, it's not about who you know; it's about who remembers you. I'm going to remember that, Justin. I love that.
1: <laughs> I mean that's like the biggest thing that I that I had to learn in college because everyone always says uh, your network is your network you need to know people to get places and that's what i thought so whenever i went to networking events i would be that kid that would just go around trying to shake people's hands yeah. and what ended up happening is no one remembered me so when right. i reached out to them they're like who who are you like why are you reaching out to me via email but when i started to ask like real legitimate questions and yeah. be interested about people's stories they remembered me and then i had something tangible to follow up on whether it was a specific piece of advice that they gave gave me or, or something like that. It gave me something for them to remember me about. And that was a, that allowed me to maintain a lot of my relationships coming out of college.
0: Yeah. Genuine curiosity goes a long way. Right? Like, take interest in people and they'll take interest in you. I think that's so key. All right. Well, I have to let you go because I could talk to you forever, Justin. Clearly, you have so much (laughs) great stuff to share here. But one last open ended question for you. (laughs) You know, If anything, looking back on what you've learned in navigating your transition from college life to post-college life, what is one piece of advice that you wish you had been given earlier and you would go back now and give to other students or any job seeker on this kind of a transitional path?
1: yeah so I'll tie this into the content creation side, which we we didn't get to touch upon, but it, it yeah, it's a perfect transition. Um, I didn't realize the power of content creation because I wasn't in marketing uh traditionally like uh, at the beginning of my career. But what I realized was as you start to create content, it's not just to get your name out there; it's sort of to prove that you can do something, and what I mean by that is On a resume, the biggest thing is people can lie, right? Anyone can say, oh, I increased my email newsletter by 570%, but there's no real way for you to show that you did that. But let's say you wanted a job as an email marketer, right? What you could do is connect with every email marketing specialist that is in your second degree network on LinkedIn. So people that are connected with you somehow connect with all of those people and then start to create content about you starting your newsletter and how every single week it's grown by 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, 150 people and putting that out and then every single and then at after let's say a month or two what you're going to do is create a an article that showcases that that growth and go through all the different tactics that you've gone through to market that and put it out and then send that article to every single email marketing specialist that you connected with and say, hey, I'm a student at University of Central Florida. I started this email newsletter a couple months ago. And here are sort of the things that I tried. I would love to get your feedback on what has worked for you and maybe some things that I can look into. That's how you start that connection. That's how you build on that relationship. And who knows, by the time that you graduate maybe one of those people are hiring and they remember you because you actually created an article and they know that you're actively producing email content rather than just getting an A in your marketing theory class.
0: Right. Oh my God. Yes. And keep in mind, I ran into this when I was a student many, many moons ago now, but you can't learn the cutting edge technology and zeitgeist of what's happening in your industry in college. I remember going to my college advisor and saying, hey, what where's the class on um digital strategy for email fundraising for politics? And my professor looked at me like laughing. It was like, you can't learn that here. It's too new. You know, we aren't General Assembly. This is the Ivy League. Go, you know, learn about theory here. Learn about practice in the real world. And I just thought, wow, okay, that is such a good point. You have to be, a, um, what's the word? A um, oh, Before you can become a master, you are an apprentice. You have to be an apprentice in other real-world scenarios in addition to studying theory in school. And I love that description of writing an article on LinkedIn and then kind of collaborating with other practitioners, other apprentices, if you will, because you can actually include them in your next article and quote them and build on those best practices. And basically, I love content marketing my entire career. I owe to content marketing to be clear, Justin. <laughs> um this podcast is a form of content marketing, right? Because as you lift as you climb, as you share what you are learning or what mistakes you have made along the way, other people hopefully will accelerate their progress thanks to what you're sharing, and then they will feel indebted to you and feel like, wow, I gained so much from what Justin said on this podcast today. I'm going to share Justin's website and his podcast and his services with the folks I know who are doing innovative things around the career space and colleges around the country. You know what I mean? Like there's this genuine connection that comes from helping one another that I think is a very generous form of doing business. So I'm delighted to hear you. Uh, you know, be carrying this torch on as well. I think it's so important.
1: No, I 100% agree. It's, it's just sort of getting started, right? That's always the, the barrier. And especially when you're young, it can be really scary. But what I would say is there's always someone that's looking for that young perspective. And you have that sort of leverage point, it's actually not a sort of a hindrance, it's actually an advantage to be young. And overcoming that mindset is super important.
0: So so key. Go watch Hamilton if you haven't already. I feel like that 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 musical left me feeling like I was running out of time. You know what I mean? I I think the uh, the hustle you bring to your work is something I see in myself, and you've kind of reminded me of a younger version of myself, which is wonderful uh, because we we have lots of there's like such so many problems in this world that need energetic. Uh, ambitious people solving them. So good on you, Justin, for all that you've done. Where can my listeners follow up with you and learn more about your podcast and your work?
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for, for having me on. If you, if you want to find more about the podcast, uh, you just look up declassified college on any podcasting platform that you, you listen to shows on. So feel free to check us out on, on there. And then if you're looking to learn more about myself or get your grind up, it's just get your So So G E T C H O G R I N D U P.com.
0: Yeah, and as someone who named her company off of a hip hop term, I so respect Get Your Grind Up <laughs> as the name of your company. So, Bossed Up, you know, meets Get Your Grind Up happening right here, right now is so delightful. Justin, keep up the great work, man. I think you're doing incredible things, and thank you for sharing your time and expertise with our listeners today.
1: No, thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: To find all of today's relevant links, head to BossedUp.org/episode two And now it's time for this week's boss move of the week. Today's boss move comes in from a former client of mine who is going to remain totally anonymous. She wrote to me uh, just last week after working with me in my January negotiation course, our live negotiation course um, that's about two hours long. It comes with a very comprehensive workbook. And it's now available, the replay is now available um, at bossedup.org slash negotiation along with our free negotiation guide. And I'm going to keep her, all the details anonymous um, to respect her privacy, but I did want to share with you her update. Here's what she wrote. Hey, Emily, it's been a long time since my last update, or it feels longer than it was. So I wanted to share some recent good news. After our conversation, COVID happened. And I work for a public institution of higher education, so the budget picture for us has changed drastically. Suddenly, we were looking at 5% budget cuts across our whole agency, and many of our institutions have had to furlough. But my boss told me today that she was requesting a 13% pay increase for me. It was below my initial target, but I'll take it. Even better, she said that she wanted to do more and will continue to look for opportunities for me." since this raise is still in my current pay band. I'm hoping I can get a promotion in the next few years to float up again. Again, it's not my initial goal, but given everything that's happened this year, I will happily take opportunities to celebrate. Thanks again. I almost just said her name, but I won't. Congratulations, boss. This is such an interesting and inspiring negotiation when given the circumstances, and it's a reminder that putting in effort and energy to get what you are due, right? To advocate for all that you are worth. It's a long process. It doesn't happen overnight. But this is someone I worked with a lot on this, who went back and forth, who prepared, who rehearsed, who practiced her pitch, and went in there and advocated for herself based on her skills and her abilities and the market rate for the position that she's in and a 13% pay bump in the middle of a downturn in higher ed of all institutions right now. That's incredible. So thank you for sharing your boss move Mate, serve as inspiration for the rest of us who may be rightfully feeling defensive, feeling like retreating a little bit. I want us to remain expansive. I'm saying this to myself as much as anyone We have to remain expansive. And um, what's the right word here? It's not just expansive. It's like, it's not just optimistic, ambitious, really. That's what I'm talking about. We can still aim high, even if we fall short. We have to give ourselves permission to dream of a better tomorrow, even if today feels scary and uncertain stay focused, keep your eye on the prize, keep aiming high, and keep making progress, even if it's just micro movements in the direction of what you desire. That's all I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you found what Justin had to say was helpful and interesting and useful as much as I did, take a moment to share this episode now and tell me what your key takeaways were from this lesson. Tag me at Emily Aries or at boss.org on all the things, uh, especially on LinkedIn. If you feel like it, let's be friends there. I'd love to connect with y'all and let's keep bossing. Let's keep bossing y'all in pursuit of our purpose. And together we will lift as we climb. Take care y'all.